0: Attention all loyal bannermen, send a raven and declare your liege to the Call the Banners podcast. That was a shit introduction, but I'm here. (laughs) None of a gun. If you guys were listening live on the Fandom Cantina podcast, I had the most epic introduction in store for you, and then I tried to mix it up a little bit, and it did not go well. But... Nonetheless, we are excited to have you here on the debut episode of Call the Banners. Uh, We've got a lot of really awesome discussions lined up for you guys. We've got a lot of really awesome segments and elements. Uh, We've got a really cool format that we're trying out, one that's never been done uh, on Game of Thrones-related podcasts before. So we are new, we are unique, and we are excited. Uh, Let's go around the table and introduce ourselves a little bit for anybody who may be new to the show. You're obviously all new to the show because it's a brand new show. Ha ha! My name is Zach, I'm the co-host of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, and I'm also going to be your co-host slash anchor for this podcast for the next couple of months. Uh, We're going to be doing a lot of really awesome Game of Thrones discussions, as I said, and then we'll be discussing episodes when they debut in April, which is just a few short weeks away. And to help me break all of that stuff down and to help me discuss all of those things, it's the founder of the Phantom Cantina Podcast Network and the co-host of the Phantom Cantina, Mr. Sean Giroux.
1: Hey man, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. We've been I think we started planning this way back in November. Uh, I'll take fault for the uh, the intro mess up. You were golden that first time. And then uh, it's it's almost like the kicker was iced but in Game of Thrones.
0: Uh, um, yeah, and that's it, uh, i mean—that's fairly, that. appro- fairly appropriate, because we've got a lot of ice and winter-related themes that happen throughout the course of the series, so sure, we'll blame it on the Night King, why not?
1: Yes, winter is indeed coming, but no, it's a pleasure to be here, uh, got a bunch of new things happening at the Phantom Cantina Network, and uh, happy to say this is actually, I guess, the beginning of our 2019 season, and uh, we're starting it with this, so uh, uh, thanks for doing it, guys.
0: it's gonna be a grand adventure and to help us go along on that adventure is the co-host of star wars syndicate another awesome podcast here on the phantom cantina network uh he just likes to go by the name of mcmahon so that's how i'll introduce him mcmahon how are you tonight
2: i am doing fantastic it's unfortunate you slipped on that banana peel the first intro was so much better
0: I know. Hopefully we can splice it. And the people who are listening on uh, online through other methods like iTunes and Google Play, they'll never know the difference. They'll be like, what are you talking about? That one that was, was fantastic. That was one of the best intros I ever heard. Yeah, I'm telling you guys, seriously, that one was way better than the second one. And if we can figure out a way to splice it where Sean's voice just kind of comes in after my first introduction, then we've got one of the best intros of a new podcast that you've ever heard in your life.
1: I think we can make it work.
0: It is it is what it is, and what it is is a really, really awesome uh, new podcast. As we've mentioned, the title is Call the Banners. As we've alluded to, it's going to be related to the HBO series Game of Thrones. And uh, what's going to be interesting about this particular show is we've done Game of Thrones-related discussions before over on the Fandom Fraternity, which is uh, an old program here on the Fandom Cantina network. But uh, what we did there was more of a season-by-season, season episodic type of discussion, where we're like, okay, what do we think of Season 3, Episode 6? What do we think of Season 4, Episode 9? That kind of thing. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different, in the sense that rather than looking at it chronologically, we are going to be looking at this series from the perspective of important houses or groups of people, that exist within the show there are a ton of different families because this is such a huge world george rr martin did some fantastic world building to create some really really interesting characters and so this podcast is going to be a bit more character driven uh, at least for the weeks leading up to the episodic discussions because then after we've looked at these different houses we can now see what kind of progress they have made up to this point in the series. So uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But uh, guys, I I just got to be honest. I'm really, really excited that we're finally doing this. Because like you said, Sage, we have been planning this for a few months now. Pretty much since we wrapped up our previous discussion, we've been talking about when we get to talk about Game of Thrones again. So uh, I guess my opening question for you guys is what do you hope to get out of our discussions for the next few months. Sage? Uh,
1: well, the one thing, like you pointed out, is this is very character-driven, and I think while we were reviewing the series uh, back on uh, um, the Fandom Canteen, I'm, I'm the name is slipping my mind, but... Uh, Fraternity. Fandom uh, Fraternity. Uh, there's a lot of characters and houses that we probably barely touched on at all, and to be able to dedicate full episodes to specific at houses is is, is going to be enlightening, really. Uh, like, next week, I believe we start with the Boltons, Aarons, and Tully's. Let's be honest, how much coverage did they get when we were going through the season-by-season review? I
0: well, mean...
1: Probably not a m- ton.
0: Maybe just discussions of, like, the Battle of the Bastards or something like that, but like, that that's probably about it.
1: I, I think there's a history aspect of this As well as a predicting aspect of this uh, when it comes to the death pool that is going to allow us to uh, focus on past, present, and future. And just that done by a family perspective is, uh, is a lot of fun. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to discussion the, uh, discussing the Deadpool as well because uh, that's a that's a really innovative segment that you yourself came up with, and uh, we will get to that in in greater detail in just a couple of minutes here. But man, I'm curious, what are you most excited about about this new program?
2: Well, I mean, I think Sage hit it pretty well on the head there, and you know, when you're going episode by episode, season by season. You know, you're, you're going to be talking about the same people a lot. You know, there's going to be lots of talks about the Lannisters, lots of talks about the Starks. But how often are you going to talk about the smaller families, the lesser families? You know, and I mean, he hit pretty straight on. You know, when was the last time we talked about the Boltons? I mean, the only Bolton we really would have talked about would have been Ramsey. You know, and it, it's great to shine a light on the lesser houses just to remind people just how much effect they do have on the bigger picture because even the smallest house has a huge impact on the overarching story of westeros at least of the banners that we will be calling on this series
0: yeah for those of you who may not get the reference uh when you call your banners in game of thrones you're basically trying to get all your loyal countrymen to rally to your cause uh in in the event that you have to go off to war and so uh we're looking at the different "quote unquote" banners that exist within the different houses. We'll be discussing, you know, their sigils and their mottos, as well as some of their important people within the series, maybe their history, where they came from, where they're headed. Uh, we get to talk about all those things over the course of the next nine to ten weeks, and it's going to be super in depth and super fun, just because you know we see characters like the Tullys or the Martells or you know somebody like that. But we don't get a whole lot of screen time for them. And so now we're getting a lot of air time dedicated to them, which should be really, really fun. Now, over the course of the next couple of months, we'll be looking at particular houses, dividing them up over you know a series of weeks. Uh, once we get to some of the, the bigger, uh, more prominent families, we'll just be dedicating one family per week. So it's a, it's a total of 12 families over the span of nine weeks, according to my data, which is going to be really cool. And then, like I said, after that, we'll be discussing how those families work together or fight against one another in the season finale. So we're set up for several weeks, several months even, of discussion. But if this show is to survive, we also have to play the long game. And that's where the Game of Thrones prequel comes into play and it's not something we're going to get a chance to talk about a whole lot other than maybe in passing in future episodes. So I thought it'd be cool to maybe dedicate a couple of minutes to that before we get too much further into the night. Um, there there's been some information that's been released. HBO has made an official release about some of the things to expect, but you know, really it's just a general synopsis more than anything. Um, it just says taking place thousands of years before the events of game of thrones, This series chronicles the world's descent from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour. From the horrifying secrets of Westeros' history to the true origin of the White Walkers, the mysteries of the East to the Starks of legend, only one thing is for sure, it's not the story we think we know. So guys, what I'm curious about is uh, if we are gonna end up continuing Call the Banners even after the series concludes, this seems like the logical next step, but how excited are you that we get to continue having adventures in Westeros even after we uh, conclude this particular franchise that's been around since 2011? McMahon, I'm gonna toss it to you first.
2: Oh, it's exciting to go back so far in history. I mean, you start to wonder which characters are you going to see? Like, are we going to get to see Bran the Builder? You know, there's so many questions about the history of Westeros that we have just extremely broad strokes of. And I can't wait to start seeing, you know, some of these, these characters and stories that we may have heard about in in passing or in you know, in a historical context, maybe have a chance to put, you know, a face to a name and actually have their story
1: told.
0: That's very true. That's very true. And there's quite a few names that are on this list of, uh, actors and actresses that are going to be a part of this new series. Uh, Sage, how excited are you for this series and, and who are you most excited to see on screen in this fantastical world?
1: Uh, Okay, so I think there's like a 99.9% chance that uh, Call the Banners will probably cover season one, at the very least. You know, you never know how good something is until you get to see it. Very good chance. But, but I'm extremely nervous. One, there's no books covering these events in extreme detail. Uh, there's hints at what's happened, and there's callbacks to the past. Uh so, well, George R.R. Martin's involved, his involvement won't be as much as it was at the beginning of Game of Thrones, uh, meaning the, uh, the TV show. Um, and there's no, you know, Weiss and Benioff. And for everybody that, you know, might knock these two for saying, oh, well, they're just doing, you know, George's work. That's not the case at all. Everybody involved in this knows how pivotal they are to the success of the TV show and there is a lot different between the TV show and the books and I'm really worried I don't know if you can capture that magic twice but if it's half as good as Game of Thrones I think all of us here will be really really happy and uh, I'm really uh, you know I think McMahon kind of stole the brand the builder one from me there thanks a lot Fizz um from what I know, this is before the wall. Uh, from what I know, I believe this is uh, this is the long night um, that we're going to be focusing in on or building up to or whatever. Uh, you know, I had other prequel ideas I would have rather seen first, but uh, I hold faith that you know if they're going to sink as much money into the show as they're claiming, it'll be it'll be good. I don't have one specific character though that I'm looking forward to, other than to find out what kind of twists they're going to put on what we already know. Cause it sounds like that's the intent.
0: Well, regardless of which direction they end up going, uh, I think it's, I think it's also pretty safe to say that they are trying to lay a, a pretty good foundation as far as actors and actresses are concerned as well. I mean, we're going to be getting Naomi Ackie. We're going to be getting Naomi Watts. We're going to be getting Josh Whitehouse from Poldark We're going to be getting Jamie Campbell-Bauer from Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. We're going to be getting Alex Sharp from How to Talk to Girls at Parties, Toby Regbo from Fantastic Beasts and The Last Kingdom. And here's the one that kind of surprised me out of all the others. Uh, They have also recently announced that Georgie Henley from the Chronicles of Narnia franchise is going to be joining the cast for this prequel series. So here's a young lady who has practically grown up in medieval times. She understands the sets, the costuming, uh, you know, the line, the Witch, and the wardrobe kind of set the precedent for how medieval sword fights are supposed to be. No doubt Game of Thrones borrowed from them and even improved upon them to a certain degree. So to have her on this set just makes perfect sense to me. It makes total sense and really helps round out what should be a a very, very solid cast uh, of people who do have titles to their names, but, are looking to make a name for themselves in this series as well. So it's kind of got uh, a double portion of excitement to me uh, in that regard.
1: Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, The cast seems talented. I won't lie. Uh, Anything past Naomi Watts, I'm pretty unfamiliar with. Uh, But to even score a name like Naomi Watts is uh, pretty huge in that regard
0: that is very very true i did not see when they were expecting it to release but i'm imagining it'll be year. 2020 to 2021 probably yeah i'm thinking uh, i believe I'm they thinking start filming in may is so may possibly possibly summer of next year because this the seasons have finished in august to early september in previous uh, iterations so possibly sometime next summer that should be interesting
1: Less- okay the, the huh? less of a weight, the better.
0: Yes, I'm with you there. I enjoy getting to make these trips into this uh, this amazing, amazing imagination that George R. R. Martin has. And so, you know, even if it doesn't have Benioff and Weiss, I'm still pretty excited for what they have to offer because there's going to be references to this show. There's going to be preludes that go way, way back. They go back centuries. And you get to realize, oh, this is how this family began. This is how they got their name. And so, right now, we're just looking at the "quote unquote" history that we're finding on things like, you know, Wikipedia or visual dictionaries or whatever. And by this time next year, we may be talking about how we get to see some of these things come to life. And that's that's a pretty exciting statement. But until then, uh, let's let's focus on the premise of this. Uh, show in and of itself for this final season of the uh, Game of Thrones TV series. There's going to be other names, other titles for the other series right now, but for all intents and purposes, we're just going to be calling it Game of Thrones because that's what everybody's known it as. Uh, The houses that we intend to talk about from uh, early on in the series until later on in the series, some of the last ones that we talk about are going to be the last ones listed here. We're going to be talking about the Boltons, the Aaron's The Tullys, the Greyjoys, the Martells, the Baratheons, the Tyrells. And then we're even going to look at the Night's Watch and the Wildlings. They're not exactly prominent families per se, but we are going to be dedicating some time to them because of how much screen time they get on the show. And then the final three weeks leading up to the series, we'll be looking at the Targaryens, the Lannisters, and the Starks. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it, it took a lot of debate and a lot of speculation between us trying to figure out which ones should be getting the most airtime and which ones we may be having to toss to the side. An absentee that, that uh, I personally tried to push for, but then you guys reminded me that we'll get to talk about them uh, in the essence of some of the other houses. But, you know, the Mormonts, you know, we've got Gior and Jora who are working with the Targaryens and the Night's Watch. And so... Uh, you know, there's going to be moments where we're referencing other houses anyways, but to cover 12 different groups over the course of the next 8, 9, 10 weeks is a pretty bold undertaking, and I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Uh, I mean, I love the Mormons. I love Jor. I love Jorah. I even love little Liana. Um, remind you, you probably don't want to piss her off. Uh, probably. <laughs> Uh, But you're right. It's as much as we have, you know, so many weeks to dedicate to some of these houses, you just can't squeeze everybody in. But I believe it's safe to say the Mormonts are going to be extremely well represented in our look at the houses as well as our season eight uh, episode recaps. Fizz?
2: Oh, yeah. There's there's definitely going to be. You know there's always I don't wanna say smaller houses because there's no small houses, only small members. but you know there's gonna be houses that are left behind, and that's just a reality there's there's far too many houses to cover in such a short span, you know, and we're, we're starting this now, so we've got you know two months to get there. So you know there's gonna be houses left behind. and yeah, I wish the Mormons would have had their own show because there is a lot to talk about there, but You know, the fact is, when you break them down, you know, uh, 90 percent of the Mormons we talk about are are people we could talk about in the context of another house. So, you know, there's going to be houses that are left behind. And eventually, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a house that we realize, damn, they really should have got their own episode or been part of an episode. But, you know, it is what it is. These are the houses we chose and these are our banners.
0: Well, these banners are going to be flying pretty highly over the next couple of months, which is really, really exciting. Um, we're going to be calling some other names as well, obviously. I mean, the the integration of uh, families like the Tullys means that we're also going to end up talking about families like the Frays. So, like, like you guys have alluded to, this isn't like a very fixed list of people that we're going to be discussing there's going to be some blend there's going to be some crossover and that's just going to enhance the discussion I feel like because this world is so immersive it only makes sense that the conversation about this world would also be immersive so it's going to be really really cool um th- one of the things that game of thrones is particularly notorious for is this concept of you never being able to get too attached to a particular character because as soon as you do they get killed off (laughs) it has happened time after time after time and it's happened a lot with me personally it's gotten me mad at this show on several occasions uh particularly when uh when we thought that Jon snow had met his fate late in the series I was mad as mad could be. And I still had the next season to watch and look forward to, but I had no idea what they were doing next or where they were going with it. So there's that kind of trouble that goes on almost exclusively within this show. Like it, there's no other show that can, can come up with the, with the death toll as catastrophic as Game of Thrones. And yes, I am referencing The, the Phantom, Phantom Menace, Menace. there. But you just can't compare to to anything else, really. And so one of the elements that we're going to be including starting tonight and will be happening every night from here on out is this idea of keeping up with who's left and whether we predict that come the end of this last season, they live or they die. And uh, it's going to be interesting to try and see and and keep up with. I'm going to have to, like, keep a list for myself so that I can like stay consistent with my predictions because um, there's there's actually still a lot of people, aren't there, Sage? I mean, you, you've kind of been spearheading this project, so I'm going to kind of turn it over to you to explain to how it works. But I'm, I'm excited to be looking at these remaining characters and if they're going to make it or not.
1: Uh, yeah, there. I believe there's 40, 41 names on the list that we have. Uh, there's a chance a couple of these characters may not appear in Season 8, but either way, we will be predicting predicting their fate. Uh, and it's like a little bit of a competition here we got, almost like a little league. And I think there's 13 of us involved, and uh, the person who has the most correct guesses will win, and they will win a prize. Uh, it won't be revealed this week what that prize is, but uh, there is a prize indeed, and it is something from Game of Thrones, and I think the winner will appreciate it. Uh, I'm probably pulling for a Canadian to win so it's cheaper to send such prize um, but yeah son of a gun're <laughs> um, you're,
0: try- have... you're, you're, you're trying to wish ill on me the first <laughs> episode of this show. Thanks
2: <laughs> Technically, he's not wishing ill on you
1: just uh, ill luck <laughs> Same
2: uh, there's difference. so
1: many like when I was doing my list. And full disclosure, my list is completely filled out. Uh, I will be revealing mine each week, uh, as these guys will be making their picks, as will others. Uh, I, I had a hard time. I had a really hard time making decisions on some. Uh, I thought it would be a lot easier than it was, and uh, I was wrong. Uh, so essentially, 13 of us, 14 of us, something like that, will be competing to see who gets the most correct Now, we are still waiting on picks from Joe and half of Adam's picks still, uh, but picks will be coming nonetheless. Uh, So the five names, guys, that I have for you for tonight's episode, as fun as it would be to run through all 40 in one week, it would kill our segments going forward. Kill our Uh, show. (laughs) So we'll do five names tonight, and we're going to start off with the first name on the list. And that is Ghost. That's right, the uh, oh. the, the pup and comrade of one Jon Snow. So the people who have said Ghost will live are Jade, Dominic, Brendan, Ciaran, Ciaran? Kieran. Sorry, sorry, Kieran, right, Zach, Kieran, Kieran, Kieran. Kieran. Uh, and Shani. Uh Dominic and Kieran had a Game of Thrones podcast of their own. Back in the day, I believe it was called The Watchers of Westeros. It might still be active. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, and those that said Ghost will die are uh, Adam and Richard. Uh, I have Thomas's pick somewhere here, but he did not make it very easy to, uh, to rifle these back off. So we'll have to get back to him. Uh, my pick for Mr. Ghost, as much as I like him, Mr. Ghost is Toast. Ouch. Uh, Zach, what do you have for ghost?
0: Um, I just, I just love animals, and the ghost's family has had a rough go of it already. I'm, I'm gonna say he finds a way to live.
1: Oh wow. Uh, you, you know, a lot of you guys are uh, picking ghost to live, and I'm not gonna lie, it's completely caught me off guard.
0: I, we we love dogs dude we or we just love animals and to 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 say that an animal is going to die i don't know it, it just goes against like what i've been brought up to believe which is like the preservation of, of creatures in nature like even nymeria was able to live because Arya sent her away so you know i have to believe that that ghost finds some way to live and and even if he doesn't play a crucial part like you know John's spirit living on in him the way it happened before you know even if he doesn't become a warg vessel I'd like to think that a dire wolf will still live even after all of the other humanity uh, terror has finished unfolding
1: Uh, Thomas has also chosen uh, ghost to live so we got a heavy live presence here uh McMahon where are you at with Ghost?
2: I hate you so much for making me face this. <laughs> um, I, I love Ghost. I I really truly do, and it pains me to my core to pick this, but I, I I'm afraid Ghost is going to pay the ultimate price to keep John alive, and and he will lay down
1: his fur. A toast.
2: He will lay down his fur and ghost will become a ghost
1: ghosted toast. All right. Let's keep this thing moving here. Next up, another one that's close to Jon Snow, one Mr. Tormund Giantsbane. Uh, in the lives category, we have Dominic, Brendan, Kieran, uh, Shawnee, and, uh, and Thomas. Thomas is also in the live. So, Lots of people very optimistic about survival in this season. Uh, not so sure about this, and we have uh, Jade and Richard in the dies. Uh, and I have uh, Tormin as dies as well.
0: That uh, one's a little more. That one's a little more diverse than Ghost was.
1: Uh, yeah, one more. Uh, Fizz will start with you this time, man. Lives or dies.
2: Oh God, this is. I I think that. Oh God, um, Tormund will live, so that his giant babies with Brienne will have a daddy.
1: <laughs> I was pulling for that, and ultimately, that's why I thought it wouldn't happen. So he dies.
0: Zach. Um. You know, I, I'm trying to to make these picks with the with the mentality of what I feel like the end result of this series becomes. And from that perspective, I don't see Tormund making it all the way to the very end. So I say he dies.
1: All right. So we have a Tormund dies for Zach. Let's move on to our third of five characters this evening. And that is one, Mr. Loyal. Fierce Grey Worm. Uh, In the category of Lives for Grey Worm, we had Dominic, which surprised me, and Brendan. And in dies, we had Jade, myself, Kieran, Shawnee, Richard, and Thomas. Uh, Zach, we'll start off with you this time.
0: Uh... He, he's been a very loyal and effective soldier, but I just don't see Grey Worm or very many of the Unsullied period being much of a match against the Night King. I say they make a valiant effort in the defense of Winterfell, but ultimately they pay the ultimate price. I say dies. And McMahon?
2: Well, I, I would love to see Grey Worm live on and continue his weird... Uh, the oral relationship with Missonde, but uh, it's not going to happen. He he will sacrifice himself so that, you know, others can live. Uh, Grey Worm will be worm food before too long.
1: <laughs> uh, that's the first one we've been unanimous on between the three of us anyway. Uh, we all think Grey Worm is food for the crows. Uh, already, uh, next up is one Mr. Davos Seaworth. And in the category of lives for Mr. Davos, and this one really shocked me, Kieran and Richard. Everybody else thinks he's toast. Uh, except for myself, I have him as lives. Uh mr arnold
0: i this is just because i'm a fan of davos and who he is and what he's done and what he stands for uh his his skill as a negotiator even if he's not very skilled as a fighter i would like to think he still has some larger part to play in the grand scheme of things even after the series concludes so i'm i'm going with lives
1: nice nicely done uh
2: fizz well uh yet again we have unanimity uh the onion knight will be heroic and and live to tell the tales
1: uh that would be incredible i uh, i hope that happens and uh, last up we have uh one of the cleganes pardon me and we have the hound uh in the category of liz for the hound we have shawnee Jade, Brendan, Richard, myself, and Thomas, and uh, team Watchers of Westeros thinks he's toast. Fizz? Uh,
2: as much as I would love Sandor to live, I think he will give his life to defeat his brother, and no one walks away from Clegane Bowl.
1: Toast. Toast. And uh, Zach, our last Death Pool pick of this evening.
0: Uh, For the last Death Pool pick of the night, uh, I'm going to go with he does not survive. As as much character development as he's had, uh, it just means people are about to get attached to him, and then late in the season, just when people feel like they can start Rooting for him, he's going to get killed off. It's just the, the the nature of the way that this show has gone. Uh, I'm going with the trends and saying people that uh, grow and develop are only doing so, so that they can be snatched away from you.
3: Harsh.
1: Wow. Uh, well, I suppose uh that'll do it for our, our death pool picks this evening uh we're going to post the five names we uh discussed on the episode tonight in our facebook group uh call the banners the game of thrones podcast and uh the audience can vote there on who they think lives or dies each week with the picks that we make here uh back over to you mr arnold
0: uh, I'm looking forward to that, honestly. I'm I'm really intrigued to see how this kind of progression takes shape. And uh, if I'm able to stay consistent with all my picks, for one thing, uh, i got to make sure that I'm actually saying, okay, yeah, this person and this person, they're kind of in the same scenario, they're facing the same situation, so they're both going to be facing a similar fate. Uh, but for all I know, the writing may just be so... Uh, so deep and, and so uh, diverse that they may end up in separate places and all my ideas went out the window. Who knows? But uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I feel uh, the
1: need to mention quickly here so I don't end up like one Mr. Greyjoy uh, that my uh, other half, Jade, did a, a beautiful Game of Thrones death pool board, which we will uh, take a picture of uh, each week and and post the updated rankings. Uh, she she worked real hard on it, and it's uh, greatly appreciated, Jade. Thank you.
0: And hopefully the nice. balls can
1: stay in place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a very sweet tribute to a, a very hard-working lady who helps take care of a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, maybe one of these days we'll actually get her on the program. But, oh, you uh,
1: didn't just go there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm splitting hairs as much as I can to get uh, bonus points I'm just kidding uh, But You know it's, it's really It's really a team effort and, and that's one of the cool things About this podcast Is hearing from you guys In the chat And hearing from people That are contributing From the group Hearing from people Who may be guesting uh, With us on other episodes Having them go ahead And send their stuff in Even if they're absent uh, Is part of what makes this Such an awesome Collaborative effort And we get to continue with that collaboration for these next couple of segments. Rather than talking about, uh, you know, any houses right off the bat, this is kind of an icebreaker episode, getting people into the feel of the the pace of the discussion, some of the things that we're looking to talk about. And maybe it's a way to get to know some of the hosts of the program and, and how they feel about certain characters and certain houses and why. And so to do that, we've come up With uh, these certain top 10 lists that we're going to be discussing for the remainder of the episode, starting with our 10 least favorite characters in the series, and then moving on to our 10 most favorite. We do have a couple of absentee votes, uh, absentee lists that have come in. Sage, I believe you have those handy, correct?
1: uh not for uh, the dislike characters actually it's just us for that uh, okay we have, we have extra lists for the liked characters interesting uh, so interesting. uh yeah they they were all given the opportunity for dislike characters but i guess they like the show too um, damn much they couldn't come up with a dislike list
0: well, so. <laughs> i mean that's fair i had a hard time coming up with with both my my favorites and my least favorites uh, i think i ended up with like 12 or 13 favorites and had to narrow it down to 10. And then I had at least 14 or 15 least favorites and I had to narrow down to 10. So, uh, I think there's going to be some interesting, uh, surprises throughout the course of this list from what I've heard from you guys teasing. And from what I'm looking at my particular list there, there's going to be, uh, some interesting twists as far as character names and where they fit into the grand scheme of things. So, uh, we're going to kick things off then with just the three of us talking about least favorite characters. Uh, Sage, do you want to lead us off?
1: Uh, absolutely. So uh, uh, I didn't do any honorable mentions. I, they, the list would have been way too long. Uh, so we're just going to start off with number 10, uh, one perverted Grandmaster Uh As much as I might have liked his appearances in uh, the third Indiana Jones movie and Empire Strikes Back, uh, I find his character annoying and ridiculous. And, and let's just say that prick got what he deserved in the, uh, I believe it was the season finale of episode six. So uh, Mr. Picel has number 10 for me. Uh, number nine is the High Sparrow. I liked his character in Pirates of the Caribbean. Not so much in Game of Thrones. Number eight is one Roos Bolton. I liked Rob Stark, you prick, and uh, I'll never forgive you for that. Uh, Number seven, Walder Frey. Do I really need to give an explanation for Walder Frey, guys? No. I I mean, I was going to say, like, come on. Uh, Number six is uh, Yara Greyjoy. And I know some people will be like, why? She's the one good Greyjoy. I just don't like her. At all. You know? It's hard to be a fan of people that promote rape. So, and she does. She makes no bones about that. Uh, Number five, some people might have thought this young fella should have been higher up on the list, but uh, five is as high as I could go with him. Joffrey. King Joffrey Baratheon, aka Lannister. Number five on my list. And let's be honest, he should have got it a lot worse. He got let off easy on his death, if you ask me.
0: Being poisoned, uh, yeah, yeah, but but it's also kind of the long game because you, when when you're going into the investigation as to who did it, and you know, then then Olenna kind of gets this sweet revenge by making those her last words. Like there there is some poetic justice to it, even if it was a a woman's way or whatever it may be. It actually was a woman that did him in, so it works out.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, if Olenna was real, I would uh, really love for her to come up and pick some lottery numbers for me, considering the chances of Joffrey ever grabbing that cup that was not his. Uh, His cup was used prior. Um, You know, it it, it turned out well. I suppose anybody could have drank that. What if Sansa drank it? Well, I would have been cheering because she's number four on my list. Not a Sansa Stark fan, and if there's one oh. Stark I'm cheering to get it this season, it is her. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, number oh three, uh, a fan of Sansa in different ways, is uh, Ramsay Bolton. Uh, I was happy when he got his. Uh, the Battle of the Bastards showed his true colors. He's a coward. Mm-hmm. And he's dead. Uh, number two, another stark that I don't care for, uh, Lady Catlin. Uh, that bitch pretty much caused the deaths of her son, her daughter in law, her husband, and more punishment for her daughters. So uh, she dead. <laughs> and number one, uh, the character I hope dies the most in this final season is Theon Greyjoy. Plain and simple, this guy is not redeemable. And that's my list of ten.
0: Interesting, interesting. I, I, there, there were some in there that I was predicting, and didn't get as high up as I thought they would. And I really wasn't expecting Theon to be your number one, but uh, I can, I can, I can see it. Uh, I keep hoping that there's some redeemable element to him, just because the reason he was so cocky was because he had a cock. Well, I'm and glad we cleared that up. After he lost it, <laughs> he really didn't have any balls to work with. So, I I I feel like there's a chance that his castration was one of the best things to ever happen to him in the long run. Um, I get I get where you're coming from, bro. I really do. But I I'm I'm one of those uh, somewhat optimists. If he's made it this far, it's got to be for a reason. So. If it's, if it's not for a, a big redemption arc and horrific death, then it's got to be because he actually makes it and contributes to something in the rest of the series. Death to the Greyjoys. Death to Euron. Euron's a pain <laughs> in the ass.
1: Agreed. But Is it bad he's that would a... be okay with him living over the other two?
0: Euron? Uh, I mean... He's, he's crass, but he's true iron. Like, he, he, to me, represents what the Ironborn should be about. So I'm not too upset with his character, but at the same time, I'm not too happy with it either. That's why he's not on either list. He's not on either list for me. But I am curious who made it to McMahon's list.
2: All right. Um, most of mine... Are on my list of least favorite because I uh, I hate you, guts. You are an evil bastard. I just I want I want I want you to rot in hell. And there's one or two that I hate for the opposite reasons of God. You're so stupid. You just you're so stupid. <laughs> All right, uh, number ten is the mountain. Okay, you you rat bastard. You killed Oberon. I loved him. Okay? Uh, yeah, he was a cocky bastard. Alright? And if he hadn't, you know, got all cocky, he he would have sliced the mountain down. But, it, I hate you. And whatever Sandor does to you in Clagane Bull is, is gonna be worth it. Alright, number nine. This is my... God, you're so stupid. You're just so stupid. Lisa Aaron. <laughs> like,
0: I <laughs> mean, come on. To you're, on just, my list.
2: You're, you're so goddamn stupid. Just... Oh. Like, you see a meme this week, you know, it, 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 it's Peter and her, you know, <laughs> kill your husband. No, series over. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on! <laughs> so true. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Keeping in the category of stupid women, number eight, Lady Catlin. Okay, just, just, oh, God, woman. I want to strangle you. Hands around your throat. Okay? You're the only person that died at the Red Wedding that made me happy. Uh, Number seven... Are you saying you actually cheered during the Red Wedding? When she got her just desserts, yes. Because she's the reason they were in that spot to begin with. Yep. Uh, Number seven... Melisandre. Okay? We're oh, back in the hang, category. Hang on. I hate you because you're good, because you're, you know, your talent, you're acted well. You're an evil person. You're horrible. You're just, uh, I, I almost blame you as much as I blame Stannis, Stannis for killing
1: you. Whoa, whoa, let's, let's, let's calm down on the Stannis hate here. Well, and by the way, not... I'm probably going to get myself in more hot water for saying this, but, you know, with the necklace on, who doesn't have a mad screen crush on Melisandre? She ain't even in my top 10
2: Game of Thrones screen crushes. You're dead to me. <laughs> because I can find 10 women on Game of Thrones more attractive than
1: Melisandre? I can't find one. I don't even know what to say to that. I just, I don't. I, I get don't. It. You prefer her without the
2: necklace? Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather gouge my eyes out and become the next guy on my list, and that's Reek okay
0: see there is a distinction between the two i feel like
2: i i mean you can't have one without the other so it's it's theon slash reek is my number
1: six i actually I, don't mind reek it's theon i don't
2: like i i just i uh, you can't forgive yeah he's done some things that are forgivable freeing sansa that's about it but that does not wipe away his sins Number five Peter Baelish I hate, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him so much. Just I, I hate all of his machinations and his his unsustainable lust for a stark woman. Just I mean first it's Catelyn, then it's Sansa. I mean, come on, what's next, Arya? Number four, Cersei. I hate her so much. Uh, it's, everything about her makes me angry. It, 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 so many times, I just want just to reach in my screen and smack her.
0: Smack her where, though?
2: Um, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the scene. All right. Uh, my number three, Ramsey Bolton. Again, he's so amazingly awful. Everything about him, it, it it made my blood boil. The things he did to Sansa, just oh god! Watching him get his at the Battle of the Bastards just put a smile on my face. Uh, my number two is Stannis. All right, Ooh. the man burned his daughter at the stake. Okay. If there is an unforgivable, unredeemable act, that is it. She was an innocent. She was pure, and and he burned her. Uh, it's no. There's no redeeming that. There's no making that better. I, I makes me angry. And my number one is Joffrey from episode one until he finally died I hated him I hated everything that he did everything about him just was wrong Just it, he was the mad king he was mad he was full on mad and I greatly enjoyed watching him choke on his own vomit that's my then. Uh,
0: it, that's a very solid list dude that's a very solid list. Um, I guess it's time for my list, though, isn't it? Well, it can't be worse than his. Uh, I don't know. I might have a few surprises in here. Um, but there's also some that uh, that you guys have have both mentioned. So there is some consensus here. It's just a matter of where we place them. Uh, mine is a is a combination of either just bad characters, like poorly written, or the you're so stupid category. And then there's a few that's just like, I love to hate you kind of category. So it's, it's got an interesting mix to it. But I did kind of cheat with my number 10. So I, that's why I put it at number 10. So maybe you guys will forgive me for for having it at all. Um, but at number 10, I've got the Baratheon brothers. I just clumped them all together. Robert, Stannis, Renly, they're all shitheads. I hate them all. <laughs> they're all they're all useless in their own pathetic ways and they all rightfully died off because they served almost no purpose in the grand scheme of things. Seasons 6 and 7 kind of proved that. So I just I have very little use for them overall and I know that they were pawns that played a part of a greater game, but I'm much happier that the greater game is now being played without them in the picture. Uh number 9 Here's here's one that is part of the poorly written category. That would be one, Egret. I am not a fan of Egret's character. I am not a fan of the seduction slash connection that happened between her and John. Uh, I don't feel like that was something that was needed in John's character for one thing at that particular time, and it was just not something that contributed a whole whole lot to the the essence of the show, uh, she was poorly written and and poorly acted, poorly executed. Uh, like there was just nothing about Egret that I really enjoyed. And I'm not hate me. I'm not hating on redheads. I'm not hating on redheads. It has everything to do with out of this fantastic world that is filled with such amazing characters and great stories we end up getting stuck with Egret as John's first love interest. That, that just did the man wrong.
1: I'm pro-John and Danny anyway, so I'm good with that.
0: Uh, number, the- number eight, I'm not listening. La 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 la. <laughs> Num- number eight would be uh, Lisa Aaron. She just makes me cringe for all the right and wrong reasons. Um, you, you first see her breastfeeding an eight-year-old boy. What kind of sick fuck does that? And from there on out, it just got weirder and weirder as she got more and more jealous. And it was just like beautiful foreshadowing to have her sitting on the throne of this of this beautiful throne room that uh, that, that has this giant gaping hole right in the middle of it. I'm just like, God, I hope you fall through it one day. And guess what? She did. So uh, Lysa checks in at number eight. Clocking in at number seven is one Mr. Alistair Thorne. There's been a lot of omissions from this fella so far, but he was just a thorn in everybody's side. And yes, I did just make that pun. He was a pain in the ass more often than not at the wall. And he didn't contribute much to the benefit of the entire Night's Watch. He was very selfish and ambitious, which is not something that you're really supposed to see from Men of the Wall. And his ego really got the better of him, and it cost him his life. So uh, I, I did not care for Alice of Thorn. Number six would be... Ramsey Bolton slash uh, Ramsey Snow. Uh, I'm with you guys that the things that that he did to Sansa, that he did to his wife, that he did to his dad, that he did to uh, Rickon, that he did to reek He was just absolutely terrible. He was one of the first men I've noticed in this show that had absolutely zero moral center. And he enjoyed the living daylights out of it. He didn't care what the consequences were as long as he got the job done, as long as he was looking out for number one. And he's one of those I love to hate you type characters. It's just, wow, I can't believe a person like this was actually written and actually exists no matter what type of world it is, fantasy or otherwise. He is one sick dude, and the justice that he got at the end of the Battle of the Bastards was absolutely awesome. Uh, Here's one that's kind of a token for you guys, but also just because I honestly truly believe this with everything in my being. One of the characters that I enjoy the least in this entire series Harkening back to my fandom fraternity tangents, it's one Mace fucking Tyrell. I cannot stand the dude. He is an idiot above all nature. He does not deserve his land, his titles. He doesn't deserve anything. And how he and his wife popped out two actually decent-attracting-looking kids is beyond me because the man looks like a turnip pooped on an eggplant i don't know what is going on with anything about this man or his character he was a pawn yes but he was a terribly written pawn who did not need to exist in this universe whatsoever we could have had an absent father or we could have had both my parents are dead and my grandmother is raising me type of situation but mace tyrell did not need to exist hated tell him. us
1: how you real really feel wow That's... you're not gonna like my top 10
0: Oh, fuck. <laughs> Number four, this is this is back to one that I enjoy hating, uh, mostly because he has a bit of a soft side and there were certain instances where I actually kind of liked him and then other instances where I just flat out hated him. That would be the patriarch of House Lannister, Tywin himself, uh, extremely well acted, extremely well written. But he was a strategian that was only looking out for his family. He was not looking out for the realm. He was not looking out for his allies. And uh, just that very selfish nature ended up costing him his life, I think. I think that selfishness came back to bite him literally in the ass. Um, But uh, even with that uh, least liking of of Tywin, uh, there are other members of his family that I disliked even more. Number three would be his grandson, Joffrey. I'm with you guys and everything that you've said previously. I can't stand the guy. He was a cringe factor from day one, which is a testament to how well he was acted and how well he was written. But... Uh, even he was able to be manipulated to doing a few good things, whether that's uh, from from his mother or whether that was uh, from his wife. You know, there there were certain people that did have the king's ear that were able to speak some sense into him, even with all of his crazed and deranged interests. So, you know, I, I still don't really, really care for him, like, at all. But... Uh, I I think I disliked his mother even more, which is why Cersei is at number two. She's one of those people that's like, ugh, this bitch again. Like, honestly, every time she pops back up in the scene, every time she pops back up in the series, I'm like, all of this terrible shit is going down. All of this is, is happening, and yet she's still alive. How? And I think it goes back to season one where she's talking to Ned and says, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. So far, she's winning. But I don't know if that's going to last for much longer. I sure as heck hope it doesn't. Um, Number one on my list would uh, be one character that could either be number one in my most favorite or be number one in my least favorite. But I chose to put him in my least favorite because I've got somebody special for my favorites, Uh, Clocking in at my least favorite character, it's another dude that I love to hate. It's Littlefinger Baelish. He seemed like a master of manipulation. He seemed like he had everything all figured out, that he was working his way up, quietly through the ranks, pretending to be everybody's ally, just enough to be able to get inside connections and do what he needed to do for himself. And then he ended up everything falling apart somehow over at Winterfell I still am a little confused as to how all of that happened but I'm I'm very very sad that he's not around anymore because I feel like he was my dark horse to be the one sitting on the Iron Throne let everybody kill each other off let everybody just kind of die out from like a civil war and the one person that is able to rise from the ashes would be Littlefinger that was kind of my hope before he got his throat slit but even still, what we got from him was pretty fantastic, and he is my least favorite character. I put you guys to sleep, didn't I? Uh,
1: no, no, I, uh, I'm a little surprised by your take on uh, Littlefinger being at number one on your list. I expected him to be on your other list, so...
0: Well, I'm, I'm baffled with silence. He's, here. he's 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 one of those guys that you love to hate because he's so sneaky and underhanded and deceitful and selfish that it's brilliant. And I think a lot of credit needs to go to Aiden Gillen. He played the character perfectly, but you never know which side he's on. You never know who he stands for. And because of that, he's, he's not really interested in the good of Westeros. He's really just interested in getting on the throne and I, I, that doesn't set well with me, even though his way of going about doing it proved to be very effective nine times out of ten.
1: Well, uh, I can't argue with that. Uh, I guess this is going to bring us to our, uh, our favorites list, or do we have something else first?
0: No, I believe we're up to the favorites now, and these are the ones that we have some write-ins for, correct?
1: Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh we're gonna take a moment and play theirs so if you guys want to maybe tune into the live feed so we can respond to each one of their lists uh we can uh, go from there uh first up's gonna be a newcomer to the uh to to i guess the podcasting yeah. network he uh he is an old friend of mcmahon and i's uh he is one sir richard
2: Okay, so my favorite top 10 Game of Thrones picks, characters, would be number one, my favorite, Daenerys Targaryen. Number two would be Jon Snow. Number three would be um, Tyrion Lannister. Four would be Varys. Five, Arya Stark. 6, Olana Tyrell, 7, Oberyn Martell, 8, Sir Davos, 9, probably Torment, and 10, The Hound. Those are my top 10 picks.
1: Uh, so that was one Mr. Sir Richard, uh, who is who's new to this realm, sort of. I know he does some uh, online streaming for games. Uh, I'm assuming the guys are probably catching up on that because I think the feed runs a little bit behind. Uh, But for me, I think most of his picks outside of Varys and Olenna are probably what most, uh, I would say, uh, average fans, or I'm not calling him an average fan, but I feel like they would be common consensus picks for a lot of people that like Game of Thrones. What do you guys think?
0: It is a very solid list uh and i just again really really appreciate the the integration that we're doing with this show being able to bring in people like richard bring in people like thomas even if they're kind of you know unable to to make it personally that kind of inclusivity is really really cool fizz
2: yeah there's there's nobody on his list that makes me throw up my arms and go are you insane but there are definitely people on his list that aren't on mine. And some of them might indeed be shocking.
1: All righty. Well, let's keep up this. Uh, I was going to call this a charade, but it's anything but that. Uh, let's keep up the list here. And we have one Mr. Thomas Bradshaw from uh, the Fandom Cantina Network.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Tom Bradshaw. And here are my Game of Thrones Top 10 Characters, beginning at number 10. Number 10, Davos Seaworth. Number 9, Samwell Tarly. Eight, Sansa Stark. Followed by Braun, Brienne of Tarth, Jorah Mormont, Tyrion Lannister, Arya Stark, Daenerys Targaryen, and of course at number 1 is Jon Snow. Honorable mention on this list, of course, is Ned or Eddard Stark, who I feel would have been higher on the list had he had a more prolonged role in the
1: series. Well, it's hard to argue with one thing Thomas said on his list, and that is uh, Mr. Eddard, a.k.a. Ned Stark, I think if he would have survived even two seasons instead of one, I think he would have definitely been probably even in my top five. Uh, I don't know many people that don't love Ned Stark. Uh, Just the lack of episodes kind of weigh down his uh, prominence that uh, would have been on my list. What do you guys think?
2: He's a (laughs) dumb-dumb. Well, then. <laughs> never trust a man whose first
1: words to you are never trust me. Uh Alrighty then. Uh Zach, follow that up.
0: I don't really know how to. Um I guess we just have a fundamental disagreement there, Fizz. Uh but as far as Thomas's list goes, again very solid, very uh to the point, which I respect and appreciate. Uh, I'm not a a huge fan of Arya, but I'm not a huge hater either, which is why she's not really uh, on my least favorite list, but neither is she on my favorites list. Spoiler alert.
2: Now you're really dead to me.
1: And let's get to uh, host of the Watchers of Westeros podcast and co-host and head writer of the Star Wars Underworld, one Mr. Dominic
3: Jones. Hey guys, Dominic here, calling in with my top 10 Game of Thrones characters. Coming in at number 10, Tyrion Lannister. I don't think it's possible to do a list of uh, favorite Game of Thrones characters for anybody without including this guy, just, you know, Peter Dinklage with such a great performance, so many great lines written for him. I mean, what else is there to say about uh, about Tyrion? He's awesome. Number 9, maybe a little bit of a surprise Ro- a King Robert Baratheon, you know. Yeah, he hasn't been in the show since like episode seven of season one, but that's just uh, the kind of impact he left, Uh, at least on me. I thought Margatti's performance was spectacular and he was so funny yet tragic. Really, yeah, uh, a character that I really miss from season one. Coming in at number eight, we've got Brienne of Tarth. Uh, I think Gwendolyn Christie is awesome, and she's had some fantastic action scenes. Obviously, her fight with the Hound is a, a big one. Uh, but also last season, her little uh, tra- uh, training duel with Arya was pretty cool as well. Number seven, maybe not a favorite character, but one that's uh, whenever he's on the screen, I can't look away. That's Tywin Lannister. Charles dance with uh, just a spectacular, spectacular performance there. Number six, Egritte, the wildling, Jon Snow's lover, the creator of the uh, one of the show's most iconic lines, or the sayer of one of the show's most iconic lines, "You know nothing, Jon Snow." Another one that uh, you know really lit up the screen when she was on, and sorry that she's not there anymore. Uh, number five jamie lannister would not have uh predicted this one uh back in season one but starting in season three to now he's become a real favorite for for myself and i think for for a lot of people as well just uh the way they've layered his character from you know smarmy cocky kingslayer to a really kind of tragic character who really throughout his life has tried to do his best uh number four daenerys targaryen i, I mean i think game of thrones is really her story and uh, you know from season one to season seven it has been quite a journey and it's been a real joy to watch number three Varys the spider uh, I know a lot of people are big fans of Littlefinger but I gotta I gotta give when it comes to you know masters of, of secrets gotta give the spider his due I think he is uh, one of the best characters on the show number two Samuel Tarly uh, what what is there to say about Sam other than he's loyal he's uh, he's brave and uh, he's been a great character. He's very funny. John Bradley is a s- spectacular actor, and he's given uh, given that character a lot of, uh, of a lot of layers and a lot of range. And number one, Arya Stark, the uh, the newest, uh, not quite faceless assassin, but uh, still pretty cool, is uh, comes in as my favorite character. Another character with a really, really interesting journey from season one to season seven, and can't wait to see where it goes in season eight. All right, that's my list, guys. Have a great show.
1: Alrighty, that was Dominic Jones, head writer over at the Star Wars Underworld. You can catch those guys Thursday nights, 9 p.m. on the channel 1138 Mixler. Uh, I'm sure you can download their podcast on iTunes and whatnot as well. Uh, guys, Dominic's list, if there's one name that stood out to me where I went, okay, I'm a little bit surprised this guy has made the top ten considering he died in like episode 6 or 7 of season 1 Robert Baratheon thoughts
2: I'm going to say it again he's an idiot <laughs> Has he did he ever take the time to actually open his eyes and look at his children? Well, Cuz I, I
1: mean, mean he would have been looking for a while.
2: I don't know how drunk that I mean I know that man was the drunkard of drunks but I mean I stare at those kids long enough I'm going to start asking why out of, what was it, four kids, all four have pure blonde hair and the same color eyes. Like, that's genetically impossible. I'd be kind of starting to ask some questions.
1: I found his character very enjoyable, but yeah, he was stupid. I don't know any other way to put it.
0: Uh, Zach uh i'm not a fan of that choice i'm not a fan of egret being on the list and like i said i'm not a big fan of aria in general so i'm definitely not a fan of her being on somebody's number one i just don't see enough growth or development uh of that character to warrant being somebody's number one even if she has lasted this long it's just i i don't see it i don't
2: rebuttal you know nothing zach arnold
1: <laughs> uh, I'm a Zach on this one. I never like your grit.
2: You know nothing, Sage.
1: Uh, I drink and I know things. You drink and you don't know uh, things. I'm doing both right now. Uh, where does that leave us? That leaves us with our list, does it not? Uh, I believe unless it you've does. got somebody else. Uh, nope. Nope. They were our three cameo appearances for this week. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have all three back next week. Um, would you guys like me to start? Sure. I didn't know if one of you guys wanted to go first, so figured I'd throw it out there, but uh I have a feeling my list is not gonna be very well liked. Uh number ten, Barric Dundarian. Uh and no, not the first pencil neck guy that we seen in season one. Uh thank God he was recasted. But, uh, like I could listen to the guy who plays Barrack on audio tape. Anytime Beric talks, I'm mesmerized. He's a a real good talker, that Beric. Uh, Number nine, Tyrion Lannister. He drinks and he knows things. Uh, Number eight, Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, Her story has been awesome thus far. She would have been higher up on the list if, uh, you know, she wasn't such a snob to Jorah. Uh, number seven, Braun. Because he's Brawn, and he's awesome. And one day he'll get his castle. It's two castles. Probably not. Oh, it's two castles
2: now. Assuming he ends up with Tyrion, it's two castles.
1: Uh what the hell's Braun gonna do with two castles? You
2: he'll really have,
0: haven't figured that one out yet? I already he'll know. Have, he'll have he'll have one to lord in and one to fuck in.
1: They're going to give him the Uh, twins. Oh, that's possible. Very possible. Uh, Number six for me is one Tywin Lannister. Anytime this guy is on screen, uh, I am paying full attention. And he has one of the best, in my opinion, mini arcs in the entire series is when him and Arya are put together for three or four episodes.
0: I did enjoy that.
1: And I absolutely loved every single time they were on screen together. Uh, the chemistry was so obvious. Uh, so, yeah, Tywin Lannister. Uh, number five is his son, Jamie Lannister. Uh, might have the best story arc in all of Game of Thrones. Uh, considering where this character starts and where he finishes, or at least to this point. Could you, kind of like what Dominic said, could you imagine yourself cheering for Jamie Lannister way back in season one? I sure as hell couldn't. Cheering for his head to be taken, maybe. Uh, number four, the great Stannis Baratheon. Uh, anytime this guy is on screen, Boo. I am absolutely mesmerized by him. Uh, the actor, who I'm not too familiar with, uh does a fantastic job playing stannis and i love his role he like i'm not saying i condone what he did to his daughter absolutely not or anybody else for that matter but he played like to me and this is probably isn't a fair comparison but if you look at anakin's turn to the dark side in the prequels compared to stannis's full turn who uh you know was a pretty decent guy at the beginning And he just slowly keeps falling further and further and further to the point where he's laying there on his, you know, death ground against the tree. And Bran comes up to him, you know, there's no fight or begging or pleading. It's just go on, do your duty. And I can respect that. Uh, Number three, Jon Snow. Uh, He might have been number one if it wasn't for one, stealing Daenerys from Jorah. And two, having any involvement with Ygritte. Uh, Jon Snow, number three for me. Number two, in my opinion, the mastermind behind Game of Thrones. One, Peter Baelish, a.k.a. Littlefinger. Chaos is a ladder. Quite possibly the greatest speech ever given in the entire show. Uh, Maybe he's not dead. There is that theory. Perhaps Littlefinger is still alive. He's probably toast, but one can hope. And number one, my man, the Obi-Wan Kenobi of the Game of Thrones universe, Jorah Mormont. Because, I don't know. He, he's my favorite. I cheer for him in all situations. I, I'm a Jorah guy. I'm pro-Jorah. So what if he sold some
0: slaves? Well, I mean, even who was it Viserys said that's not something that you're going to be punished for in my kingdom like it's it's a it's a very tragic offense committed for something that when you understand the context it's not as bad as it sounds so can,
2: can again this has bugged me ever since they have can I point out the hypocrisy of her saying i'm not going to punish you for that in my kingdom yet she goes about freeing every slave she comes across well,
1: no 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 it was her brother that said that
2: she said she said that no, I
0: said Viserys.
2: yeah uh, he did either way, I just it, just, ugh.
1: I'm sensing some Danny hate over there,
2: mr pro egret i I am pro egret, not enough to put her on my top ten list, but I am pro egret,
1: all right, who next? which one of you two fellas are up?
0: uh I don't mind going uh, I her. It's actually kind of interesting because, um, Sage, uh, our our number 10s are actually the same.
1: Oh, fantastic.
0: And then nothing else is the same after that. Oh, (laughs) not so fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Checking in at number 10 for me is Beric Dondarrion. Uh, I love uh, his affiliation with the Brotherhood. I love his flaming sword. It's the closest thing we get to a lightsaber on this damn show and uh, he he's just a very very interesting character that uh, just kind of commands a presence anytime he's on the on the scene and uh, i just i enjoy everything about him uh, i'm with you that i'm glad he was recast but uh, you know what he presents and what he brings across is fantastic uh, number 9 i'm going to i'm going to keep going with the, with this northerner uh, trend and go with tormund giant's bane i really really enjoy uh, his, his character, I, I love his, uh, his affiliation with, with John and the way that he tries to look out for his people. He's an excellent fighter. And the crush that he's got on Brienne is absolutely hilarious. But uh, even though I picked him to die, he's still one of my favorites. Uh, checking in at number eight would be the Lady Olenna. Uh, she's got a fantastic uh, character arc She's got some very, very well-written scenes and sequences. She knows how to play the game. She's been playing it for decades, and she does it well. Uh, well enough that she she gets rid of this generation's Mad King and is able to execute some uh, justice on the now queen, even though the now queen hates her. Uh, Olenna is the strongest member of the Tyrell family. Her son is a dickwad. I don't even know. Oh, uh, my God. Number 7 would be the Onion Knight, Sardavo Seaworth. His uh his character arc again is really really fantastic. He he came up through the ranks as nobody. He was named Hand of the King even though it was an unsuccessful venture. He uh decided to partner with Jon Snow to try and and rally in the fight for good. Um, it's just there's there's so many things about him that i enjoy and i i love his his character development who he's become number six would be jorah mormont i'm also pro jorah just not as pro as you are sage but uh i would love to see i believe ian glenn is his name yes ian glenn i would love to see him in a star wars movie i think it's only a matter of time i would love to see him cross over into the galaxy far, far away. He's a fantastic actor. He's got an amazing story. He's a great fighter. He's affiliated with so many different people. He is a great, great character. And I love the theory that he's going to uh, end up taking his father's mantle and help uh, rebuild the wall with the Night's Watch. I think that's a very honorable, very fitting position for him. I hope that that actually happens. Uh, Number five would be Varys. I actually really love Varys' character, and his perspective of serving the good of the realm is one thing that nobody else really pays much attention to. It's always me, 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 my family, my family, my family. But Varys doesn't have any, any family. He doesn't have any objectives. He's not looking to, uh, to to claim the throne for himself. He has no legacy, no heir, so it wouldn't really do much good. So where does he go next? He goes into the business of trying to find the proper ruler for the realm. I love that about him, and and I love uh, all the ways that he goes about doing that. Number four would be Daenerys Targaryen. She's one of those people that episode one, you think she's just going to be a very common character. She's not going to do a lot. And then by the end of seasons six and seven, you're like, holy crap, what a badass. And so, again, another fantastic, fantastic story arc that has pretty much come full circle. She's finally back in Westeros, which is awesome. But in the meantime, the things that she did in Essos were pretty fantastic. So I I really enjoy where she's gone and what she's done so far. Number three would be Jon Snow, the man who knows nothing, the man who's been shrouded in mystery since day one. And uh, it just continues to be a fantastic character, a, a, a pinnacle or, or, or an anchor that keeps this show together. Kit Harrington does a phenomenal job. They've got a fantastic writing staff for him. I, I love everything about Jon's character, what he stands for, what he represents. Uh, he's got some amazing negotiations and he's got some amazing fight sequences. He's like an all-around character for me. Um, number two, Tyrion Lannister. I did not expect him to survive as long as he has and to go from serving as hand of the King in season two to now becoming hand of the queen in season seven. He's also one of those people that's kind of come full circle and he starts to realize his place in the world and the contributions that he's able to make. And even though he may drink a lot, he knows what he's doing. And so that drink and I know things definitely rings true And uh, I'm excited to see what happens for his character in this final season. And clocking in at number one, I don't care that he only lasted ten episodes. I don't care that his fate was inevitable. I don't care. I don't care. Lord Eddard Stark is bar none one of my favorite characters in the entire series. He is a man of honor, he's a man of dedication, a man of loyalty, a man of war, a man of wit. He did get too nosy, and he didn't play the game properly. But that was part of what made him so endearing to me, was he didn't care about the game. He cared about answers. And he just searched too much for these answers, and it ended up costing him his life. But I think a man of honor supersedes a man who knows how to play the game he died trying to serve his king he died trying to search for the right answers and he he died um as a man who uh will be forever remembered by his family which leaves a phenomenal legacy throughout the course of the rest of the series
1: Uh, hard to argue uh, I think some of us still cross our fingers and hope we get some sort of uh, Ned Stark appearance in the final season via via Bran is I think the only way that would work um, but and I mean uh, I should clarify uh, the original Ned Stark not young Ned uh, hope for an original Ned Stark appearance via Bran in the final season wouldn't rule it out is what I would say. Uh, and that leads us to our last list i believe can anybody hear me anymore
0: i hear you i don't they, know if they can dangerous.
2: yeah i i could it, it it i find it very helpful to not be muted
1: yes yes wow what indeed. an amazing yep. concept
2: yeah you know it's it's very important that you not be muted um all right so now that i'm not muted i'll uh I'll be clear, uh, there will be pitchforks thrown at me when I'm done, because there are some names on my not on my list that uh, are pretty universal for a lot of you guys. So, yeah. They ain't on my list. You'll figure it out as we go along. Uh, my number 10 is a tiny woman. And quite possibly the most badass woman in the entire series. Leonum woman. Okay, that woman in in 10 minutes makes every man's crotch crinkle. And not in a good way in the oh, dear God, she's going to cut my balls off. (laughs) All right. That is a terrifying woman. And and any person who ever dares try and rebel against her order on Bear Island is going to end up with their head on a pike. From I'd be her. the
1: first character to ever have four minutes of screen time and make a top ten list. I mean, I, I, I imagine she's actually got more than that, but
2: for a character with very little actual screen time, her presence is felt. I mean, from the uh, was it season two with Stannis and season two or season three with Stannis at the wall with John when he gets the letter from Lyanna. Our first introduction to Lyanna, it was just a beautiful moment and everything after that just continued that. I love her so much. When she grows up, she's going to be queen if she wants to be. Number 9 is probably the smartest person in all of Westeros, Sam Tarly. Because only Sam is smart enough to, oh, to actually look in the histories of everything and find a cure for grayscale. that's in a book, in in the Maesters' archives.
1: How does no one Sam? It? But is that as I was gonna say? I love Sam, but is that a Sam credit or just how terrible the Maesters really are? It's a Sam credit because he's smart enough to look for it. His his
2: love, his want of knowledge, and and the way he takes after Gilly and and the baby. It's. I love him. I love Sam. He's a gentle giant. I, I love Sam Tarley. Number eight is the lovesick puppy dog, Tormund Giantsbane. Uh, he starts off as this badass wildling, and-, and then he falls in love at first sight with Brienne, and, and just turns into a lovesick puppy dog. And I love him. It's-, it's so beautiful, and I want those two to get together and have, have giant babies, and-, and just, it'll be beautiful. Number seven, The Onion Knight, Sir Davos. I mean, his character arc has been amazing. You know, starting off as a man who can't read, uh, learning to read from from Stannis' daughter. It, it's, it's beautiful. His honor. You know, that's something that we cannot take away from him is his honor. You know, he is, he is Ned Stark. Ned Stark, had have met Sir Davos, they would have been best friends. Because they are... They're the same. They're flip sides of the same coin. They're they're cut from a very similar cloth. I agree. You know, the, the only difference between them is that Sir Davos will skirt the rules to do the honorable thing. Number six, Lady Brienne. You know, again, another extremely honorable character, a badass. And I love Brienne. I've loved her since she first showed up. You know, from the time she makes her vow... To Catelyn to protect her daughters, and uh, you know she goes about that, and she would lay her life down for the Starks without a second thought. And I certainly hope it doesn't come to that because she needs to have her giant babies with torment uh, Number five, the only man who can say fuck and make it poetic, and that's the Hound, Sandor Clegane. And you want to talk about a character? whose arc has gone from there's no way in hell I'm going to like you to being someone you truly like that's Sandor. You know, as, as much as Jamie has done the same, Sandor has done it just as much uh, uh, you know, protecting Arya and it's, everything I I love. I love the Hound and I can't wait for him to finally get his hands on his brother and it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be gory, it's going to be bloody and nobody's going to walk away from it. And I think that's exactly how Sandor wants it. Number four, a man with no face, Jack and Hagar. You know, he's he's again he's a character that doesn't get a lot of screen time, but when he does, it's important. You know, you look back to the you know everything he did in his interactions with Arya, and, and then. Oh, excuse me. Uh, at, at the at the House of Black and White? Is that what it was? Yeah. Came out, House, House the of House Black of Black and White. White? Yeah. It's everything about, I, I love Jack, and I love, you know, when he changes his face, Jackin is dead. And then you see him at the House of Black and White and he's Jackin again. It's beautiful. I love it. And I, I still think that, uh, that there's a large part of me that still believes he is a water dance teacher. I, I think we're going to find that out. But that's a a different. That's speculation for a different episode. At number three, is a girl with no name, Ari Stark. (laughs) You know, don't (laughs) shoot at me. I didn't at you. I (laughs) at your choice. That that's (laughs) at me. I take that personally. Oh, you're making me lock my jaw. I'm taking this so offensively. (laughs) Uh, no, I love Arya. I've loved her from episode one. Everything about her—the little rebellious tomboy—just she's a character after my own heart. I love her. I always have. And if she dies, I will hunt down Benioff and Weiss, and I'll break their kneecaps. So if they if they come up with broken kneecaps, I'm gonna need an alibi from somebody. Yeah, you were totally hanging with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. My my number two. He knows nothing. It's Jon Snow. His his arc, you know, trying to find his place in the Stark family to going to the Wall to try and find his honor there and, you know, becoming the knight's commander and and dying and being reborn and, you know, very soon he's going to find out who he really is and I think that's going to be I think the scene when he finds that out is going to be very emotional. Uh, again, we'll get into predictions later, but I, I have a very vivid interpretation of how that scene is going to be, and I think it's going to be amazing. I love John. I love his arc. I love his story. Uh, I'll be very happy to see him where he is at the end of the series. My number one he drinks and he knows things. It's Tyrion Lannister. From the start of the series, he looked like that character that just didn't care. He didn't care about anyone. He didn't care about anything. All he cared about was drinking and fucking. And yet you start peeling back the layers of Tyrion to find this, this wounded man who, who, at the end of the day, wants nothing more than a family to love him. And he never got that with his own family. You know, to the point that, you know, Jamie actually believed he'd kill his son. And, you know, that it was a blow to Tyrion, far greater than anything else that had ever happened, was that Jamie didn't believe him. I love the arc he's taken, finding Daenerys and, you know, being the hand to the queen and you know, going face to face with the dragons and living to tell the tale. It's, I love Tyrion. I love him so much. Again, if they kill him, I may get murdery with Benioff and So <laughs> if something happens that Arya and Tyrion end up dead, I I might just go full Hulk.
1: Well, uh, I, I, that, that does it for all three of our lists. Uh, I think we said our normal show time is going to be around two hours, two hours and 15 minutes. Uh, Sorry to steal the reins from you uh, for a second, Zach, but I want to do something spur of the moment here since we have a little bit of time. don't want to needlessly fill up the time, but uh, we might not have a chance to do this often in episodes to come. So I want you guys to put your money where your mouth is and give me one bold prediction you guys think will happen in Game of Thrones Season 8. And I'll start off to give you guys a little bit of time to, uh, not much time, but a little bit of time to come up with your bold prediction. Uh, And my bold prediction, and it's a two-parter, is Tyrion Lannister will turn on John and Daenerys and he will die. That's my prediction for season eight. Get out. I would put money on it. I'm not confident.
2: Get out. Turn around. Walk over at the door.
1: <laughs> Get out. Uh who wants to go next?
0: Uh I will. A pregnant Daenerys dies in aerial combat against her turned dragon.
1: Oh. Oh, so double death essentially. Ooh.
0: She finds, out, she finds out she's pregnant. John tries to keep her from going out there because he's just super protective of her, but being a strong, independent badass, she decides to go anyway. John follows right behind in the third dragon, and it's a two-on-one aerial combat, and Daenerys does not survive it.
1: That would be tragic. That would have the tears flowing, I think. Uh, Fitz?
2: Thank you, Olivia. Um, oh, God. I mean, you guys are setting the bar so high here. Like, it's... Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It's hard for me to make a bold prediction. Because a lot of the things I I, I think going to come to pass aren't really all that bold. They're things that have been, you know, suggested from day one. But I mean, if if you indulge this as a bold prediction, because it's it's it is something that has been, you know, theorized and run into the ground for many years now, and and that is that Bran is the Night King.
1: Um, is that bold enough? I think it's bold for some, but I absolutely believe that to be the case. Uh, but I believe with a twist on it. I don't think. That that guy was always Bran. I think, you know, via the time travel, he will inadvertently become the Night King. Um, yeah, I don't think that's... that's. I mean, it, it'd be bold for a lot of people, but I think you're spot on.
2: I've thought it for years, myself. I mean, even, like, somebody posted a picture of, of Bran side-by-side side with the Night King was pointing at actual physical resemblances between the two and there were a lot of them perhaps coincidental or perhaps you know looking into things so deeply because that's what you believe who knows
0: all very fascinating predictions i have no idea if it's going to come to light i have no idea if i'm going to remember what i said and i'm (laughs) nine weeks from now we've got a lot of really awesome stuff uh just on the horizon and uh it starts tonight and it starts next week uh we've got all kinds of awesome discussions Uh, let me see the uh the new season debuts on april the 14th am i correct the uh i think it's a. Because the uh, because our yep.
1: April fourteenth yep. our
0: discussions come the day after and I see episode one listed as April fifteenth which is tax day here in the states, uh, piece of crap day. So getting to discuss that'll be a really really nice uh, reprieve. But until then we've got a lot of different houses, a lot of different pieces of content to discuss. And uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, Sage McMahon, thank you guys so much for, for joining me on this adventure. I know it's been a group effort, but I feel like we set things off on a really good foot tonight and I'm looking forward to the adventures we're going to be setting ourselves to in the days to come.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, man. Uh, Thanks for hosting. It was a lot of fun. Uh, And I can't wait for uh, next week, which I believe is the week of the Bolton's Aaron's and Tully's. Do I have that right?
0: You would be Uh, correct, sir. Bolton, Aaron and Tully will be our first three families that we look at next week. Uh, McMahon, thank you as well. I'm looking forward to talking about all these amazing houses and all these awesome plot lines as we uh, move forward and get ever closer to season eight.
2: As, As the veteran of the series on this panel, I'm I'm happy to be here. It's fun. It's a series I have loved since day one, and any opportunity to talk about it is one I will gladly take. And doing it from this vantage point is going to be a, an extremely fun experience.
1: The veterans are going to be pissed when they kill Arya and Tyrion in the first episode. <laughs> if they do that, you're, you're could gonna you find imagine?
2: If, if that happens in episode one, you're going to find yourself accidentally run over.
0: I mean, here's the deal. I don't think it's going to happen in episode 1 per se because then the viewership is going to drop off for the rest of the damn season. It, I think we'll
1: lose someone in episode 1. Someone oh, notable. Oh, for someone, sure. It's,
0: someone on the death pool list. It, it's 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 got to it, it's got to set things off on a, on a solid footing to kind of set a precedent, but I don't think you're going to lose that many key characters in the first episode. Uh, but I guess time will tell. And I think it is time to uh to call it a night we had an awesome awesome time we had some really awesome listeners that stayed with us throughout the whole episode in the chat uh thanks for legging it out with us guys we're looking forward to next week bolton aaron tully will be the first banners that we discuss the first houses uh but it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a a lot of work (laughs) doing a lot of history and brush up getting ready for next week's episode but it's all going to be worth it for McMahon and Sage my name is Zach thank you all for joining us and for all of us here on the show we'll see you next time when we call
2: the banners all of them my lord they've also wanted to defend my father have they not they have now we
1: see what the words are worth